hello, hello. Welcome to episode 400 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear, Monster Kid Radio. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I want to welcome you to a show that we're kicking off with a song from the band Retro Kane. They're a cool surf band based out of Zelenograd, Russia. The song is called Sun is Going Down. It's from their EP that came out earlier this month called Go West. Three songs, three bucks. This is the third song on the album, and it's really cool. Big thanks to them for letting us play this song on the show, and we'll play it again in its entirety at the end of this episode. But this is a pretty big episode. There's a lot going on, so enjoy it while you can now, because you're not going to hear it again for a little while, because there's so much stuffed into episode 400. First of all, I got to tell you, I'm really excited to talk about the movie Scream of the Wolf, because this is week three of Dan Sember, and I'm not doing Scream of the Wolf by myself. I never do movies by myself. I've always got a special guest, and this week, we've got special guest and dear friend, Larry Underwood. You know him as the horror host, Dr. Gang Green. He is the man, and he brought a great conversation about Scream of the Wolf to me here. I had a fun time talking about it, a great time watching it, and then Larry and I kind of catch up a little bit, too, and talk about what Dr. Gang Green does for the holidays, that sort of thing. It's a TV movie. It's tight. It gets in there. It gets out. Not a lot of fluff, and because of that, the conversation is a little smaller than normal, but that's not to say that this episode is going to be smaller because it's going to be a bigger episode. You don't know why? Because there's a lot to get to. We've got the Weird Wednesday report with Jeff calling in from the Joy Cinema. We've got the Famous Monsters of Film Wine segment with Kenny. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. Now, Brenda does make an appearance at the end of the show. Not a lot of feedback because, well, you're going to find out why. Plus, I had a lot of people call in to talk about Monster Kid Radio for the 400th episode. Had a lot of fun going through everybody's call-ins, everybody's recordings about that. I'm going to pepper those throughout the show. I'm not going to do them all at once, but you know how I do the trailers sometimes between segments? Well, I'm going to do that, but I'll also throw in some of these call-ins from people. We have over 20 of them from different people who have been on the show before or people that you're going to hear in the very near future on the show. So we've got that as well. And then after all of that, I'm also going to do kind of a a reflection piece, uh, just kind of off the top of my head. Talked about what 2018 was all about for Monster Kid Radio, the things that I felt were very successful for the first 400 episodes, and maybe some things that I wish I did differently and things that I'm looking forward to doing in the future. So we've got all of that. It's a big episode. It's episode 400. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Derek and fellow Monster Kid radio listeners. This is Christopher Page from Warfarin Entertainment and the Time Shifters podcast sending in a short message to congratulate MKR on 400 incredible episodes. An amazing feat no matter how you look at it. I've enjoyed so many of the discussions heard here on the show that there's no way I could pick out any true favorites. Some things that I have enjoyed, and again, none in particular, is the great music. Who knew monster movies and surf music would go so well together? Well, Derek, I guess you did. It is always a blast to hear what tune and band you come up with. I've added an album or song or two to my collection based on what I've heard on this show. Speaking of adding to collections, so often when you talk about a flick I've not seen and sometimes not even heard of, it immediately goes to the top of my must-find list. 
Without MKR, I've never known about a movie like Cave of the Living Dead, or, or more importantly, discovered how much fun the Luchador films are. I can't imagine a movie-watching life without El Santo and Blue Demon in it anymore. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the one thing that MKR has added to my life that I appreciate the most. The community of fellow monster kids. Thanks to MKR and tangentially Monster Bash, I have met and become friends with so many people that I would have not met otherwise. There are too many to mention and not miss someone, so I won't try. They know who they are, and they know as well how important MKR has been in bringing us all together. So thanks for all the above, thanks for 400 episodes, and here's to more music, more movies, and more friends. Congratulations, Derek. of the dead hand. The hand that crawls, creeps, and kills. Oh, no, 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 please. The dead no, hand please. that lives. And now the screaming starts. For them. And for you. And now the screaming starts. Starring Peter Cushing from Cinerama Releasing. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. It all begins as a summer vacation. A young family finds a beautiful old house. It could be the answer to their dreams. So you are the people who want to rent this house. Well, you mean it's $900 and then it's all ours? Or the beginning of a nightmare. <laughs> Burnt Offerings. Starring Karen Black. Are you actually trying to tell me that this house is responsible? Oliver Reed. This house is destroying us. Oh, God! Betty Davis. This house is getting so cold. Burgess Meredith. This house will be here long, long after you have departed, you believe me? Eileen Heckert. When it comes alive, tell them what it's like. Burnt Offerings. From United Artists, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Hey, Derek, it's Mark Peterson over here, and Dr. Tony's I had that shot. I want to call and congratulate you on 400 episodes, my friend. Amazing show, and I learned something, you know, almost every week. Great book recommendations, and um, surprisingly, as, as well-versed as I am in, in a lot of movies. You guys pull some stuff out of your you-know-what, you know? Santa versus the blob? I didn't know he even existed. Um, so keep up the good work, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you again soon. Take care, my friend. Happy holidays to you. Hello, everyone. This is Karen Joan Kahodic with a Monster Kid Memory. I have been aware of the podcast for a long time before I actually had much opportunity to listen to it. So when I finally had the chance, there was already a backlog of almost 380 episodes. So I went and looked through and tried to find what kind of movies had been discussed, and I hit upon episode 362, 
in which Derek and Jeremy Lamassis discussed the K. Kaiser Classic, You'll Find Out, one of my all-time favorites that not enough people know about. So that immediately made me think, these are my kind of people. So I am very excited that there are 400 episodes of Monster Kid Radio and would like to thank Derek and Brenda and looking forward to the next 400. Have a great day. Bye. Hi, Derek of the Monster Kids. This is Jeff Bullier calling in with a weird Wednesday report. And last week's movie was 1973's Beyond Atlantis. Uh, according to what I found, this was made in the Philippines. It's kind of nebulous where it takes place. It actually seems to take place on the coast of Mexico and an island off the coast of Mexico. Uh, it, it, it's not really clear. They, they seem to have Philippine people playing uh, Mexican people which is problematic. Uh, also problematic is that the natives on this island where the, the white people basically go to steal all the pearls they can are led by a couple of white people uh, who don't look anything like the natives. The natives, uh, the descendants of the Atlanteans, have mutated over time, but apparently the royal bloodline uh, is required to breed with baseline humans, and therefore look baseline human and very white, uh, problematic, very problematic. My biggest problem, though, was that basically the white people in the movie, the, the raiders that are going to the island to steal the pearls, they get away with it. it. It's really disappointing, and the movie treats it like it's this great victory, but these were not good people. Uh, interesting enough, where they star of this movie, the, the closest thing it has to a hero, is played by Patrick Wayne, who's the son of John Wayne, but as I told uh, a couple people after the movie, for someone who's supposed to be John Wayne's son, he sure looked and sounded an awful lot like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. On a completely different note, I, I realize it's a brand new movie, but I do want to encourage everyone to go see Aquaman, especially if you're kaiju fans. There is a kaiju, and boy, is it amazing. Uh, they also played Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer before the movie, so that was pretty cool. Congratulations on episode 400, Derek. I'm glad to be part of the Monster Kid family. I learn something every time. I'm still uh, a rookie when it comes to this stuff, but I'm glad to be part of it. Thanks for including me. Have a great day, everyone. I'll talk to you again soon. that shocks you with hair-raising horror. Not one word is spoken on the screen. The 
strangest motion picture you have ever seen. Daughter of Horror. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason Giaconetti. You may recognize my voice from the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And if you don't, you should be listening. But today I need to ask you a few questions. Do you like big bugs and you cannot lie? Other robots just can't deny that when the Queen of Space walks in and puts a blast in your face that your gears get sprung? Are you deep in the bee we're sharing? Are you hooked and you can't stop staring? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then have I got a podcast for you. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From classics to cults and all the yummy, yummy cheese in between. Look for my new show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, on the Two True Freaks Network and on iTunes. That's Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. Double J on the Triple B is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. This is Jonathan Embody from the X Meets Y podcast, and I am calling in to congratulate Monster Kid Radio on 400 wonderful episodes. I discovered this show out of uh, pure coincidence uh, at a time in my life when I was working a job with really long hours and lots of downtime. Um, I had loved monster movies my whole life, and I was using all of my time on that job to refresh myself on uh, the all-time classics like the Universal Monster movies uh, and to expand my horizons into some of the lesser-known genre fare uh, from that era of film. But more than that, I, I really wanted uh, academic discussion. Um, I wanted to be exposed to films that I had never even heard of, and I really wanted to get connected to other people who loved these films like I did. And I found all of that and much more through Monster Kid Radio. And I found it just by putting a movie title into my podcast app search engine, which is pretty crazy. Uh, without this show, I never would have watched films like Monster on the Campus, The Gorgon, or... The slime people, and I certainly never would have been able to discuss movies like Santo vs. the Blob anywhere else. So thank you so much, Derek, for um, creating and producing this show and for giving all of us a forum to discuss the movies we love. Without Monster Kid Radio, the podcasting world would be a much, much less interesting place. Congrats on the 400 episodes, and hopefully there will be 400 more. Hi, Derek. This is Mitch Gonzalez calling to congratulate you on 400 episodes of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for doing all, all you do for us, Monster Kids. Cheers. From outer space, they came. With a dastardly plan to steal the minds of the youth. Only one person stands in their way in. Danny Johnson saves the world. Monster Kid Radio Heads, this is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. 
Today we are celebrating the 400th episode of Monster Kid Radio, and for this segment we will look at the only centennial in Famous Monsters' original run, issue 100. It took 15 years to reach issue 100, and as I have mentioned before, they cheated somewhat, putting the 10 issues of the sister magazine Monster World into FM's numbers, making them issues 70 through 79. When 100 came along, it was a special 100-page issue, which was dated August of 1973. A Basil Gogos portrait of Frankenstein was framed by a circus motif, and different lettering was used for the title, Famous Monsters, and a film land was dropped. The inside cover featured the cover of FM1, and the first text was this brief editorial by Forey and publisher James Warren. No magazine distributor but one would take a chance on putting famous monsters on the newsstands in 1958. When it did appear, a science fiction fan of the time immediately branded it as Ackerman's Folly. Time has worked its own irony. The contemptuous critic now has a son who is an avid reader of FM. An ad recently appeared offering our first 89 numbers bound as a steal at $1,000. Had you purchased and kept it in mint condition, the edition whose cover appears to the left, you could have, like the store reported in Palm Springs, California, a collector's item price tagged at $100. About 15 competitors have come and gone in the past 15 years. Our 100th anniversary message is simple. Publisher's message. Only FM has a unique combination for sustained success. Editor's message. Fans, I have just begun to fright. Come stay young with me. The beast of life is yet to be. The only reprint from the issue follows which was called Alice in Monsterland from FM1, which lifts up the Cheneys, Karloff, and Lugosi as the kings of classic horror. An obituary of Edward G. Robertson follows, then a look at upcoming films. Next up is We Laughed All the Way to the Morgue, a history of the first 15 years of famous monsters. A call to write letters to the classic actor Otto Kruger, who was ailing at 88, followed, and then the standard feature You Asked For It, a special edition with 47 photos that FM fans requested. Fans such as MKR guests Donald Glute, Basher Cortland Hull, and Monster Kids who made good John Landis and Rick Baker. After that was the winner of a makeup contest, a fantastic ape-like creature made by fans William Schwartz and Ted Patrick. On the following page is a picture of Forey with this message. This was me on exactly my 55th birthday. At 66, considering 15 years of the War of the Words over FM, two highlights stand out. A voice on the phone that said, Mr. Ackerman, I'm from back east. I'm 22, and I just wanted to say, you made my childhood. It made it all worthwhile. A bonus that touched me deeply. A very young boy who asked for a picture and included one cent, saying, I send you this penny out of my love, more appreciated than $100 from a millionaire, Forey. After that is a lengthy article on Bela Lugosi, which was promised for issue 93, but doesn't appear till the 100th issue. The winners of the youngest and oldest readers, the youngest being four days and the oldest 93, are announced, and then an extensive interview with Frankenstein star Mae Clark. The issue ends with some standard features, Captain Company goodies, and an obituary for Kong creator Marion C. Cooper and Kong star Robert Armstrong. To top it off was a message from publisher James Warren, 
including these comments. As the publisher of FM, I had to constantly and vigorously defend our right to exist. It was quite a battle, and it lasted for almost five years. Then, the toy industry in America discovered that young readers loved FM because they were fascinated and entertained by monsters, and not scared by them. In 1964-1965, over 15 million monsters, hobby kits, and toys were sold. The youngsters who bought the Frankenstein monsters, werewolves, Draculas, mummies, and creatures did not wake up with mass nightmares, and their parents reluctantly concluded that Famous Monsters, the magazine that started the whole thing, was not too bad after all. And that is Famous Monsters 100, 100 pages of Monster Kid goodness, a must-have for any true collector. on the 400th episode, falling right in the middle of December. I'm not sure if you're going to be talking about Dark Shadows or what you're going to be talking about during episode 400, but I'm sure it'll be fabulous. My favorite thing about all these 400 podcasts has been talking with you on Monster Kid Radio. You know, I I hate to sound like really selfish and self-centered that way, but that's totally been it. It's been you and I chatting together, becoming really good friends, and sharing our love of these crazy monster movies and things that we love, as opposed to what a lot of other podcasts do where they tear apart old movies and that kind of stuff. The fact that Monster Kid Radio is centered around love and love of the films, no matter how good or bad they may be, I really think is one of the things that sets it apart. So it's just been fabulous doing that and hearing other people on the show doing the same and making friends with other people as well, people like Mark Maddox and uh, Jeff Owens that I might never have met except through Monster Kid Radio and now who are in my cherished friends list as well. So, And occasionally you'll even run across a movie that I don't know, like that Lugosi one you did a couple of weeks ago that I then had to go out and watch, and that's awesome too. Congratulations. Steve Sullivan. Signing off. Hey, Derek. Chris McMillan here from the Shadow Over Portland main office calling to congratulate you on 400 episodes of Monster Kid Radio. Man, that's a great record, and I'm glad it's still going because I love listening to the new episodes of MKR every Thursday. Or, you know, Friday if it's a little late. I don't care. I still love listening to them. It's so much fun to be at work, put the earphones in, listen to the Weird Wednesday Report, listen to the famous monster tie-ins to the movies you're talking about, and listening to you and your guests talk about movies that I love. But the best part, my favorite part, as far as I'm concerned, of Monster Kid Radio is when you talk about movies I know nothing about. You know, the movies that somehow escape me, whether I just never got a chance to see them before, or whether they were... Movies that weren't in the books I used to check out and read, you know, check out from the library and read all the time. Well, I still read those books now, except I go to Powell's and it's a lot more expensive. Take, for example, Return of the Vampire with Bella Lugosi. I never knew that movie existed until you started talking about it on MKR. Now, I may have heard of it, you know, and confused it with Mark of the Vampire, but when you started talking with, um, oh, I forget who it was, but when you started talking about that movie, you know, Bela Lugosi is a vampire, he's got a werewolf servant, and there's a female vampire hunter. I was like, where have I been? Why haven't I seen this? So I had to go out and get it. 
Um, another great one was City of the Dead with uh, Christopher Lee, the Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake, and uh, Return of Dracula. That was amazing. And the only reason I know of these movies is because I heard about them on your show, which is just great. The only downside is, man, after a couple of months of listening to MKR, my wallet can take a beating, you know? I keep finding all these online and just ordering them and going, oh, I need this in my collection. I need this in my collection. I need this in my collection. And now I need to eat ramen noodles all week. (laughs) It doesn't get that bad, but you know what I mean. You know, you hear about a great movie. I hear about it on MKR. You and your guests are so enthusiastic. I have to go see it. I have to find a way to see it. And if that means spending a couple of extra bucks, well, monster kids do what they gotta do. The other thing I want to say is I want to thank you for allowing me to be part of MKR history. Um, I love coming on the show and talking with you about the classic and not-so-classic genre films of yesteryear. Yeah, I know. I stole your line. I'll pay you a quarter. Uh, But I, I love coming on to it, and I really appreciate any opportunity I get to be on the show. So I want to thank you for that. Anyway, I've got important things to do, so from the Shadow Over Portland office, this is Chris McMillan signing off. Um, That is what you podcasters do, right? I mean, I write a blog, what do I know? (laughs) Anyway, congratulations once again, and I can't wait to see what you've got coming up in 2019. Hi, Derek, it's Alan Trump here in St. Louis, wanting to wish you and Brenda happy 400th episode, sure have enjoyed all of the all of the different programs I've had the opportunity to listen to and sometimes participate in. Been so many wonderful books and film projects that I've heard about through the MKR family that I've been exposed to. Those have been worth uh, just the value of of uh, things to put on my own wish list and shopping list. But one thing I wanted to stress about MKR is its value, kind of like. Oh, shall I compare it to American Bandstand? Shall I compare it to Soul Train? Shall I compare it to Don Kirshner's rock concert? Where you have provided an outlet for important songs that might have been lost in time if you hadn't featured them on your program. Of course, you know, I'm somewhat talking about the many fine surf-related songs that you played by small independent uh, bands. But really, also, I wanted to mention a lot of the songs that, as I said, might have been forgotten if they hadn't been discussed in the in the programs, such as the lovely Quentin's theme from House of Dark Shadows that you and Jeff Owens did. And may I just, you know, it's like, da, 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 da. Oh, I remember that lovely melody when it played a Top 40 radio. And, of course, uh, the session that you did with Beach Girls and the Monster with Karen Joan Kahutek, where you had a monster in the surf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monster comes a-creepin', everybody's sleepin'. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who could forget such an important little ditty as that? Uh, Possibly better than the whole Beatles' White Album. I'm not sure. But my personal favorite, as I've mentioned many times before, Dwight Kemper's wonderful tribute to Frankenstein meets the space monster in which we heard such wonderful melodies as uh how did it go again oh 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 we walk in the rain if you really care to and others such haunting songs such as 
that's the way it's got to be. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. And, of course, Dwight's wonderful rendition of the music that played incessantly through the whole, uh, through the whole episode. Marvelous stuff, marvelous stuff. I can't congratulate you guys so much. Hope everybody there and in the MKR listening audience has a very Merry Christmas, wonderful Hanukkah, any happy holidays, and has a great New Year. Man who must kill to live. He is 104 years old. Your eyes? What's wrong with your eyes? Yes, look at him well. This thief of time, this man who could cheat death, who knows the secret of immortality. I've been taking this fluid every six hours now. It's madness. It is what keeps me alive. So you see, you must operate. You, you know what will happen if you don't. Yes, you will die. Liar. Cheat. Murderer. Offender against nature and God. See the liquid that cheats death. See what he steals from the tissues of his victims so that he may never grow old and never die. No, 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 don't, don't do it. Anton Differing is the man trapped by his own fearful invention. Hazel Court, the girl who knows his love, but not his shocking secret. George, I love you so much. Christopher Lee, the doctor who gleans the monstrous truth and must submit to blackmail to save the girl he loves. If you perform this operation and perform it successfully, I shall release her. If you don't perform this operation, or if anything should happen to me while you're operating, Janine will not be seen by you or anyone else again. How often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day when suddenly tragedy strikes. No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. Yes, sir, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading this way. Now get aboard! It's the kind of thing which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the handbook for surviving a giant monster attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific types of monsters. Hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies. And what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up your copy of The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us by surviving. Hello, Derek and Monster Kid listeners. This is Anthony Wendell, author of The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. I am calling to congratulate Derek on 400 episodes. Dang, way to go, man. And I'm so happy that you decided to use my suggestion. So 
first off, I want to say that uh, thanks to Monster Kid Radio, I have seen more of the classic monster movies. I am slowly making my way through the Universal box set that I bought and really enjoy what I'm seeing. In the future, I hope to get into the Hammer movies for 2019, actually. And when it's all said and done, I'm hoping to come back on Monster Kid Radio and talk more giant monsters with you, Derek. So keep up the fine work and keep on listening. Take care in 2019. And peace out. Bye-bye. Hey, Derek and Monster Kid Radio Land. This is Mark Bailey of the New York City Giant Monster Attack Map. Congratulations on episode number 400. That's a real great accomplishment. I'm very proud of you. And I'm very proud to have been on an episode. My greatest memory of Monster Kid Radio would have to be a compilation of the number of friends that I've made over the years through Monster Kid Radio. Folks like Tim Durbin, Brian Clark, Gary and Amanda Johnson, Alan Trump. Tim Price, Pete Quint, Steve Sullivan, Frank Sheldoner, and you, Derek M. Cook. You guys are all great people. You're wonderful friends. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Looking forward to episode 500, and happy holidays. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Dan Day Jr. Uh, my favorite Monster Kid radio memory was the uh, program in which I was a guest star. Yes, I know that's uh, a bit self-congratulatory, but hey, it was the first podcast I was ever featured on, so... You know, you got to mention that. Anyway, congratulations for 400 episodes of Monster Kid Radio. I I know what hard work Derek has done and and how he's influenced and helped out so many monster movie fans such as myself. He's a great friend and he's done so much for my other great friend Joshua Kennedy in his career. So Looking forward to more episodes, and maybe I'll be a guest later on in the future. One never knows. Congratulations. Coming from gooey films, an adventure like no other. From the mind of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Watson! The year is 1896, and Sherlock Holmes faces his most peculiar case yet. The Mystery of the Six Napoleons. Good, thank you. Come, Watson, the game is afoot. Joshua Kennedy as the master detective, a new and exciting Sherlock Holmes. I dare call nothing trivial, Watson, nothing. You'll remember how the dreadful case of the Abernethy family was first brought to my attention by the depth, depth which, which the, the parsley had sunk into the butter on a hot day. Yes, yes, we all know what you did. Bessie Nellis, Dr. Watson's most beautiful portrayer. It is clear that the possession of this trifling bust was worth more in the eyes of our strange criminal than that of a human life. Jonathan Danziger as Inspector Lestrade. Amy Ziliax as Mrs. Hudson. Also starring a cavalcade of great talent. Jake Williams, Tracy Thomas, George Chapper, Michael Rosenfeld, Will McKinley, Mark Holmes. Yes, it's quite humorous if I do say so myself. Well, there it is. Return of Sherlock Holmes. See it in Gooey School. 
Hi, this is Jeff Owens from the Classic Horrors Club. And I'm Richard Chamberlain from kccinephile.com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. We'd like to invite you to attend the next monthly meeting of the Classic Horrors Club on the Phantom Podcast Network. We think you'll enjoy our show, but don't take our word for it. Let's ask some of our listeners what they think. Excuse me, sir. What did you say after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast? I'll never smile again. Wow, that's a little mean. How about you, sir? Would you recommend the Classic Horrors Club podcast? It would be very dangerous, not only for you, but for others. Well, we do talk about classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, but I don't think I'd call it dangerous. I think that's enough from our listeners. I've always said we have the, uh, best fans... Why don't you give us a try yourselves? We meet once a month during the Classic Horror Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, found at downrightcreepy.com or at classichorrors.club. Oh, wait, here's one more listener walking his pet. What do you think of the Classic Horror Club podcast? There's the stink of hell on this train. Even the dog knows it. Hey Derek, this is Jeff Owens. It's a daunting task to come up with a specific list of the many ways in which Monster Kid Radio has inspired me. The best I can do is share a list of 10 episodes that stand out for me among all the other standout episodes. In no particular order, one of them is The Invisible Man Returns, because, well, it's the first episode on which I had the honor of being a guest. The next is a pair of episodes that made me want to add movies to my watch list, even though I had never seen them. The H-Man and The Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake. Next is a group of three episodes that made me open my wallet to purchase the DVD or Blu-ray, even though I had never seen the movies. The Vampire Bat, Dark Intruder, and The Crimson Cult, which also contributed to the purchase of a region-free player. Thank you very much. Next is an episode I have yet to complete because I don't want spoilers on a movie I have not seen, The Black Room. Next is the episode on Carnival of Souls with Rich Chamberlain, which I continue to believe would make an excellent commentary or bonus feature on a future video release. Next is your series on the five original Planet of the Apes movies. Experiencing them again through your first-time viewings was immensely entertaining. I'm a huge ape fan, and I loved it. And finally, what best represents all the things MKR does for me is your episode on the creeping flesh. You made me revisit a movie I thought I didn't like, look at it in new light, and appreciate it more than I ever would have otherwise. It's great to look back on all your past accomplishments. Congratulations. But I'm even more excited about looking forward to what you'll give all us monster kids in the future. Hey, Derek. This is Richard, the Monster Movie Kid. Richard, the Kansas City cinephile and the artist formerly known as Richard from Wichita. I know you said that's the way you're going to remember me, and sometimes that still kind of wants to rattle off my tongue because that's how I got started leaving voicemails. I think in a recent episode, you said I was probably one of the most prolific voicemail persons out there. And, and you know, there was a time I would leave voicemails on a regular basis in the early days of, of podcasting. Um, when there wasn't as many people in the community. And I think it was because I just wanted to to get my voice out there. I didn't have a blog yet. I didn't have a podcast. And I just wanted to kind of share my thoughts. And it was podcasts like yours 
and even the old Mail Order Zombie podcast that uh, eagerly accepted these these voicemails week after week and made me feel uh, like a part of the podcast community. And that's what you've become. You've become like the leader of the podcast community. You become one of the icons out there, one of the old guard who is still cranking out amazing episodes week after week. So first off, I got to say, congratulations on 400 episodes. It really does just seem like yesterday that you were reaching out to me and saying, hey, would you want to be a guest on this new podcast I'm starting? Mail Order Zombie is done. I'm starting this new thing called Monster Kid Radio. Would you be interested? And I was, and I was there for one of the first episodes. I think we talked about did we, did we, Day, Day the Earth Stood Still, or was it maybe Boris Karloff? I can't even remember. It's been so long ago. But uh, I had so much fun, and it was doing those little guest stints on podcasts like yours that has now kind of brought me into the podcast community officially. Um, you know, it's been two years ago that Jeff and I started our podcast, and I owe, you know, a, a debt of gratitude to you and to the late, great Vince Rotolo, particularly, and my friend Joe Barlow. For doing your podcast and kind of welcoming me into the world that you had already firmly planted your flag in, your monster kid flag. Thank you. Thank you for that. Missed so many memories in 400 episodes. I think Sarah Karloff, you getting an opportunity to meet her and interview her, for me, uh, is, is a huge memory that I have. That, that episode really, really stands out for me. But there's so many cool episodes, 400 of them. I mean, I think introducing me to movies I've never heard of, introducing me to, you know, virtually to people that I never, never was aware of or never heard talk. I mean, the Mimiverse. I, I, I believe it was it was you who introduced me to the Mimiverse. And I know like the the Boris Karloff play. Uh, it was it was you who attending that play. And uh, I think that is where you maybe you met Sarah Karloff through that. You know, I, I just, gosh, I could go on and on. So many great memories. But I, I, I want to also say one that really stands out above all the others is that it's almost been three years ago now that I lost my father. And 30 days later, I lost my wife, Jerry. And you were one of those longtime podcasting friends out there. We hadn't even met in person yet. But you were there virtually for me in my darkest hour. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Thank you. Thank you. What you do reaches out to so many people and it brings us all together. And it's when we have moments like that. And I think most of the time you're probably not even aware of it, but you bring a ray of, of light, a ray of, of happiness by by that just that weekly episode showing up in our iTunes feed and you know maybe an occasional word of, of encouragement, whether it's on Facebook or via email, you've done that. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for that. I think I've said it before and I'll say it again. What you do in moments like that far outweighs anything else that you do on the podcast. It's the friendships um, that we've developed. And um, I know you mentioned that quite often uh, and you're 100% correct. 400 episodes. Congratulations, my friend. Here's looking to another 400. And I have no doubt that will happen. And I will be there with you week in and week out. Take care. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. 
and happy 400. Hey, Monster Kid Radio. It's Frank Sheldoner calling from the East Coast, a writer of monster movies and all that other nonsense myself. Big fan of Monster Kid Radio. Just want to congratulate you on 400 episodes, uh, 400 episodes of my favorite podcast to this day. Some really great stuff this year. I've been really impressed hearing my friends Pete Rollick and Jim Beard on, Steve Sullivan, and so many other great guests. It's been true pleasure. And I'm looking forward to an, another uh, Lucha Ben Mayo, which seems to be where I'm best. <laughs> anyway, congratulations and good luck. I hope to hear another 400. Thanks. Signing out from the East Coast. Bye. Derek, it's Rod Barnett of the Nashy Cast and the Bloody Pit. I'm just calling to congratulate you on reaching 400 episodes of Monster Kid Radio. It's an impressive feat. There are no two ways about it. I uh, I haven't done 400 episodes of podcasting. I've 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 done like 100 and. 90? I don't know. Anyway, the numbers say, they, they, they say everything. Well, they don't say everything. Actually, your shows say everything. You do a fantastic job. You're one of the, you're one of the highest bar setting podcasters in the Monster Kid universe. The show you produce is consistently excellent. And I'm really proud to be able to, uh, call myself a friend, to have been on the show a few times, and, uh, to, to just say that it's still a show that I still enjoy listening to. I end up watching, uh, or should I say, listening to episodes back to back and uh, kind of, you know, burning myself out and having to take a few days off. But that's just the way it is. You guys, all of the people that you have on the show, it's amazing. I mean, you know, not as amazing as me. You know, you should probably have me on your show more often, talking about whatever, maybe just anything at all. But, you know, no matter what you talk about, the show is still great. And I just want to say, keep it up. Here's to another 400. Whew. Imagine what it'll be like when you get to 1,000. That's something I'll never, ever accomplish. Now I feel sad. Happy holidays, Derek. Monster Kid Radio, may you wave forever. Or may you long wave or... Or whatever. Let's look forward to 219, uh, 2019. What is the next year? What is it? 2019. Let's look forward to 2019 and more stuff coming down the pipe. I should have typed this out. I could have edited better. Uh, It would have sounded like I had some kind of real brain in my head. Plus, then Brenda would have would have read it out. And I always like hearing what I say in your wife's voice. It's it's top notch. Derek. Congratulations. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you again soon. This is Rod. Out. Hello, this is Rod Barnett, the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast about eclectic film from across the decade. On The Bloody Pit, we've covered Godzilla movies, Doctor Who movies starring Peter Cushing, The Outer Limits, Fu Manchu, Doc Savage, old radio shows, my favorite movies of all time, a Lucio Fulci film or two, 1970s science fiction movies, and a long series on the films of Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti. So if you're curious to learn a little bit about some of the stranger areas of cult film and television, 
Join me and my rotating group of co-hosts on The Bloody Pit. You might even learn something about Coffin Joe. And that's scary, people. Very scary. This is Count Vlad, but you may recognize me by my more familiar name, Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. In your parlance, you might call these revelations spoilers. You know how the children of the night Ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Monster Kid Radio listeners, you heard me talk about him at the top of the show. You've heard him on the show off and on over the years, and now he's here on episode 400. Larry, you're on my big 400 episode. Larry Underwood, how you doing? Wow, number 400. I had no idea. Man, that, that's a milestone, dude. Congratulations. I, I'm trying not to think of it as a milestone because, I mean, it, it's cool and all, and I think it's great, and I wouldn't be here without, well, people like you and, you know, the listeners, but, you know, it's not like the big 500, you know, I mean, or... Whatever. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to downplay it too much, I guess, but. Uh, I think it's I mean, pretty significant. Congratulations. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, and I'm celebrating with one of my closest friends, one of my most supportive friends of Monster Kid Radio from the very beginning, even before we launched the show. Larry had my back on all things Monster Kid Radio, and I, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. That's right. I had your back on all things zombie back in the day. That's true. That's true. We've been on this ride for a while. Yes, sir. So how have you been? It's been a while since we've had you on the show. You and I haven't chatted since this past summer. I mean, we communicate by email or whatever, but we haven't actually spoken. So so what's new with you? Yeah, man. Doing good. Just hanging in there, just plugging away, doing some YouTube stuff and a little bit of writing here and there and just having a good time. Right on. And here, it's, it's the season of Christmas, you know, the holidays and all that. You're doing some YouTube stuff. I am. I'm doing a just a four-episode countdown of Christmas horror movies. This is the third year I've done it, so I've covered, you know, I did 13 the first year and four the second year, and then doing four more this year, just, you know, just looking at a different one each week and kind of talking about it and showing some clips from it. And there's tons of those things, and it gets more popular it seems lately it's been more and more popular, more and more of those things popping up, but it's, it's a good subgenre. It's fun. I've noticed that, that there seem to be more and more, especially now that, you know, so many uh, streaming channels are out there catering specifically to horror like Shudder or, you know, some of these other channels that you can find on Roku or whatever. A lot of straight to video, straight to streaming Christmas horror. And a lot of them seem to be anthologies, which I know is in your wheelhouse. That's what you love. Yeah, there's a couple of, of anthologies. There's one that came out just today, as a matter of fact, that's an anthology. And The Creatures Were Stirring is the name of it. So I look forward to watching that. Right, well, and of course, I'll make sure there's a link to your YouTube channel uh, in the show notes 
for this episode over at monsterkidradio.net. Yeah, listeners, go check it out. Larry has had a lot going on, and he's got a ton of great videos to go check out in the archives. Go look at his videos. They're awesome. Yeah, I still put something new up okay. every week, at least right on. every Saturday. So. Excellent. You know, in fact, one thing that you do have on your YouTube channel was a little, about a five-minute long thing about Scream of the Wolf, which is the movie we're talking about this week. Yeah. So for October, I did a video a day talking about a different werewolf movie. So Scream of the Wolf was one of the ones that I covered this year. Did you ever host Scream of the Wolf? I mean, it's in all those public domain sets. I did not. If I had been aware of it back then, I definitely would have wanted to. I definitely would have because uh, it's fun. It's a, I enjoyed it a lot. So did I. It's a TV movie. Uh, and, you know, Dan Curtis, Dan Sember here on the show. And I have to admit, and Larry knows this, and I think the listeners have probably picked up on this over the years, my 70s genre knowledge is a little lacking, especially when it comes to TV movies. And I know in the 70s, TV movies were huge. So I, I'm always looking for people who know more about them to make some suggestions about what I should check out. The hard part is, is a lot of them are never released commercially, so you can't find them. But Scream of the Wolf, it slipped into the public domain and it's out there. And I hadn't watched it before Larry and I talked about doing it. And as a matter of fact, I just watched it this afternoon before this recording. So it's super fresh in my mind. Oh, awesome. One of the reasons when you mentioned doing the Dan Simber recording, one of the reasons why I suggested this one is because it is so typical of a Dan Curtis TV episode. I mean, this was made in 1974 for the ABC movie of the week. And it's just one of those kind of, I mean, it is so 70s. Everything about it is steeped in the 70s. The music, the fashion, the the acting, the editing, I mean, everything about it. It's just the way it cuts to commercials and every the little music music stings before it goes to commercials and comes back. I love it, you know? Oh, oh man, I, I love it too so much. I, I love watching some of the, the 70s TV movies just for that or TV series just for that because it's just a different aesthetic that you don't get now and it's just kind of cool and comforting and you know maybe i wasn't watching monster movies back then you know i was only born in 73 anyway but there's this sense of instant nostalgia that you get when you watch something like that definitely and i love it and you mentioned the music (laughs) man i'm always talking about the music in these things robert cobert or bob cobert did the music in this Mm -hmm. who is Dan Curtis is pretty much in-house composer at this point. He did all the Dark Shadows stuff. He did Dracula. I think he did the Jekyll and Hyde, the Frankenstein thing that he did. He just worked with Dan Curtis a lot. He did. What I like here, though, is that maybe it's because of the movie itself. It's not gothic, which I love gothic stuff. I mean, I love what Cobert did with Dark Shadows and Dracula and all that. But this is the one movie we're talking about in Dan Sember that isn't a gothic story. It's a contemporary 70s story, and Cobert adapted to that and gave us one cool score that I wish was available on CD. I do too. That that music at the beginning when the yes! <laughs> when the cop cars are pulling in, maybe you could play a snippet of it here what, uh, since it is public domain. I was just thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's really cool. Great music. Man's swinging 70s, you know, rocking stuff. I I love it. Um, Very atmospheric score in places. Great stuff. Yeah, he did the trilogy things that Dan Curtis did, the Dead of Night and Trilogy of Terror. He scored. I think he was his go-to guy. 
pretty much. And I mean, they had established a relationship, I'm sure, starting with Dark Shadows. I don't know if they did anything beforehand, but I feel like Curtis kind of created this this company of players, uh, either in front of the camera or behind, through at least the mid-70s. That said, a lot of the people involved in this film were not involved with Dark Shadows. I think Cobert's really the only one. I, I didn't yeah. see any cast members, and I tried to look at the crew, and I didn't see anybody that stood out to me as somebody that he had worked with on a previous production. So it's kind of cool to still see Dan Curtis's vision just realized by different people. Yeah, well, since it was for the ABC movie of the week, I bet they use a lot of their people, you know, probably. Sure, sure. that makes sense. But yeah, and it's got a killer cast. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Peter Graves. You cannot go wrong with that guy. I mean, I love classic Mission Impossible because of him. He's just awesome. And mm, I mean, that, that was my keystone, my entry point to this film. But there's another guy in this movie that I know that you love. Oh, yeah, I'm a... Big Clint Walker fan. I'm just such a fan. That's the reason that I wanted to watch this when I saw it was a Clint Walker movie. I was like, okay, I got to watch it now. And it totally, <laughs> he's so great, you know? See, I, I didn't know much about Clint Walker. My, my Western knowledge typically goes to the spaghetti Western, the Euro Western side of things. Clint Walker was an American Western guy. And I just didn't know much about him until you started talking about him yourself and sending me clips on YouTube where he sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And that voice. Yeah. Yeah. That deep voice. He, he was great. This was one of the only roles where he's not playing the main guy, the, the main character or the hero, really. I mean, he's always a hero. And I saw an interview where he, with him right after this was made talking about he really enjoyed doing this because it gave him a chance to play a totally different kind of character from what he, he normally did, did. Yeah, that's true. He's not, you know, the good guy. He's not the white hat in this mm -hmm. uh spoiler i mean i already played the warning so listeners know but spoiler you know, he's not the good guy and you know honestly i thought it was a little predictable the way he was kind of behaving toward peter graves's character you kind of okay yeah uh byron knows a little bit more than he's letting on or he's doing more than he's letting on byron's the name of the character he plays that said i didn't care that it no. felt a little predictable i mean you can figure it out as an audience member. The fun is watching Peter Graves' character try to figure it out. Right, exactly. There's also another cast member in here that uh, Don McGowan, who people will recognize as, um, well, played the creature one time. The creature Walks Among Us. Yeah, he was one of the guys in the suit, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah. Um, he was in another werewolf movie, actually, The Werewolf from 1956. He played the sheriff in that movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right on, and I like that movie. That's that's a cool flick. It is a good one. So, and he plays Grant, who is Byron's, I guess, manservant, assistant, so, butler? Yeah, so we'll talk more about that when we get into it. That's a really interesting uh, character and and relationship there. But I guess we should get into a little bit about the plot of this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those movies when you think Dan Curtis, I don't think you think Scream of the Wolf. So we should probably give just kind of a high-level ideas to what's happening here. Uh, it is in the public domain, so people can check it out pretty easily. Uh, I went looking for a hosted version of it because I like my horror hosts, and I found a bunch of them on YouTube and just kind of skipped through them all to pick one that's settled on to watch. Uh, it, it's set in Who'd modern. you watch? Who'd you watch? <laughs> who, I, who I settled on? Uh, I ended up no, settling on. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine because you didn't host it. So, you know, what am I going to do? 
That's true. <laughs> I ended up settling on Creature Features, the, the new version of Creature Features. Okay. Which is done out of the, uh, somewhere out of California, but they have like the rights to do the Bob Wilkins stuff. You know, creature features, they've carried it on, and some of their bumpers have the original music. They've got the Keep America Strong sign on their set. Uh, it's three people that do that, and yeah, that's the one I ended up watching. It was like the cool. f- first one that came up when I started skimming through. It was like, oh, okay, well, that's a newer version of horror hosted material. Maybe it'll be a, a better-looking transfer. Not so much, but, you know. I'm all about trying to find the best print I can. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. Okay. Well, Scream of the Wolf is based on a story. I don't know if it's a novel, but it's based on a story called The Hunter. Mm-hmm. But the screenplay was written by genre legend Richard Matheson. Sure was. If you don't know who Richard Matheson is, ladies and gentlemen, you've got some reading to do and you're going to love it. Matheson is a master. He is. Yeah. He I, is. I mean, I am legend alone. <laughs> puts him up there and he did a lot of work with Curtis as well. I guess so. He might be the other person that kind of came over with Curtis to do this because Matheson wrote a lot of trilogy of terror, uh, the Dracula version with Jack Palin. So he and Curtis worked together quite a bit. So you've got Richard Matheson adapting the story that is set in modern day. I got the impression it's kind of in the Southwestish part of the country. Do they ever say they don't really say, but yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah probably California. Honestly, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. They don't really say it's not really overly relevant, but there are some murders happening. Some, some bodies start turning up and at the scene, I I guess you could call it a crime scene, but it's not really a crime because they look like they're animal attacks. Yeah. Until, until you start following the tracks and they slowly start changing from four paws to to two and then they totally disappear. Exactly. And it's got Peter Graves and the local law stumped. What is Peter Graves' position in town? What what is so he's a writer and a former Mm -hmm. big game hunter. And he just lives in this town. He just he is friends with the sheriff. The sheriff knows that he used to be a hunter and goes to him for help. It's like, hey, can you help me identify these tracks? I asked this other guy who's a hunter Byron to help me out with this. He refused. So, you know, maybe you can help me. Byron and Peter Gray's character, John are former hunting partners and, and friends from way back. So, yeah. Yeah. They've got a relationship from before they used to go out hunting together, but their paths kind of changed. They kind of changed their outlook on things uh, or maybe even never really had the same outlook to begin with, because we do learn later that Byron has a pretty unique way of looking at, what it means to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're never more alive than when you, what was, what did he say? When in that moment of fear or something like that, I, I can't. Yeah. And he even makes a couple of comments uh, throughout the film. Every time he's asked for help, especially by John, you know, the town's scared. Don't you want to help? No, they must feel alive now. It's good for him. <laughs> like, like, exactly. People, people are getting killed. It's like, Oh no. You know, oh, he, refuses to help the sheriff just flat out refuses. not going to do it and encourages peter graves character to to go and do it because he he wants peter graves to return to the man that he used to be friends with he misses the old john who was a hunter who decided he didn't have the stomach for it and turned to writing instead but he wants him to to 
follow up on these tracks and try to figure out what this animal is on his own. He wants him to, to reignite that spark and get that passion back. He thinks that he's living a, a mundane and sit to way too civilized life and wants to, to encourage him in hopes that that would spark him to, to becoming the man he used to be. He even goes as far as saying, Oh, I can't help because I'm getting ready for my big hunting trip down in South America. You're going to have to figure this one out. Like, yeah. okay, sure. But it's pretty obvious, at least to me, from the beginning, Byron's either aware of what's happening or he is the one doing the, the killing. You know, so it's, it's it's pretty obvious to me. But again, but you know, they drop you some some red herrings in there and give you a few few things. They uh, we learn along the way that there there was a hunting accident at one point where a wolf bit Byron. Byron had insisted on killing this wolf up close. <laughs> And he shot him with, he only had one bullet in his gun and he shot him with that bullet, but the wolf kept coming. So he had to kill him with a knife, but the, the wolf bit him and he survived. So once <laughs> the town's legend starts, the word starts getting around that this might be a werewolf. <laughs> then John starts thinking, well, actually isn't John. It's his girlfriend, Sandy, played by Joanne Flug, first pieces it together and says, I think Byron might be... She doesn't come out and say a werewolf, but she's thinking it. And John's like, you could come on. You can't believe he's a werewolf. You know, I liked that, though, because a lot of times it, it's the lead heroes like, oh, it's a monster and nobody believes him. This time it's the lead's girlfriend. And it felt like a nice little twist instead of having Peter Graves start ranting about werewolves and all this other stuff. It's the girlfriend who's trying to convince him that it's a werewolf. And I, I just I like that. And I like Joanne Flug a lot. She was a lot of fun in this film, too. She was really good. Definitely. Yeah, I liked her. And, and she actually almost gets killed. You know, she, she gets basically threatened by whatever's out there killing people. Yeah, it comes, bus breaks down a couple of her doors and traps her in one of the rooms and it's clawing at the door. But it leaves. The police chase it off before she's killed. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like later when Byron says, well, I didn't want to kill your lady friend. You know, just like... <laughs> I like that. Um, so getting to that and, yeah. and, and the Grant character, I think I'm reading, and maybe it's just me, but one way you can definitely read into it, I read a lot of gay subtext into this because I think the character of Grant could definitely be more than just an employee for Byron because he's this man who's living with Byron. And if you remember, there's some there's a line there where the sheriff asks John and says, the sheriff's played by Philip Carey, by the way. He says, so who is this Grant character? He was watching us through the window the whole time. And John tells him, he says, well, he's the guy that, that he met in a bar one night. And he had an arm wrestling competition with him. And it took 10 minutes for him to pin him. And he was so impressed that he asked him to come work for him. And I'm sitting there, there thinking, well, maybe work is a euphemism for something else, you know? Huh. Because they, they, the guy lives with him. He's a live-in whatever Maybe, and this is totally reading stuff into it, but maybe John and Byron had a re relationship at one point and John went a different way. Maybe that's why Byron is so jealous of Sandy. Huh. Wow. See, this is not something that I considered, but now that you're seeing this, I could see that. 
I, I want to read the novel. Oh, if, yeah. It's actually a novel and see if some of this is flushed out more. And they just couldn't really go there in 1974. So they sort of put little hints there for people that are huh. looking or that happen to catch it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the person who wrote the story. Uh, David Case, you know, the quick IMDb search only shows that he wrote um, – one other thing and that for the films anyway, and that was, and now the screaming starts uh, in 73. I don't know if the hunter is a novel, a short story or what, but I, I kind of want to read it now too. And I, man, yeah. you put that in there. That's wow. Their relationship between the two of them kind of reminds me of fright night with the head vampire and his, huh. whatever is his buddy that lives with him and helps him out. His Renfield basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, his, yeah, exactly. It kind of reminded me of those two guys. Huh. So I loved the movie. I mean, I, I just flat out loved the movie. I thought it was great, but now you can add this to it and it becomes even, wow. Huh. I like it. It's definitely an untraditional take on the werewolf myth, which is kind of cool. It, tries to throw you a couple of red herrings, but at the same time, it lets you in on what's going on right from the get-go. But like you said, the mystery is not the thing that's the uh, the hook to get you to watch. It, it's Peter Graves and Clint Walker and the two of them figuring out what, you know, working it. The, the, the story evolving right. and watching it come together. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it, it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of investigation and you know, you can't tell exactly how far Peter Graves' character is going to go or be willing to go. The sheriff tells him, you know, I'm putting in a curfew. Nobody's going to be out because, you know, we don't want anybody else to get killed. And I don't expect you to be out either, mister. You know, <laughs> But he goes out anyway looking and he gets caught by the sheriff. Of course. You know, and, and it's this interesting kind of relationship there too. One scene that stood out to me, and I don't know if you picked this movie. I mean, I know Clint Walker, but I don't know if you meant anything by this the scene in the bar <laughs> knowing that i'm a vegetarian <laughs> i know i don't even know where you're going with this i don't remember so byron's in there with graves's character and his girlfriend and they're having a conversation and one guy looks over at him and walks over excuse me are you a hunter and then starts laying this bit down you know does it make you feel like a big man to take the life of something right it's like yeah come on <laughs> Byron puts him in his place pretty quick. He basically threatens to kill him. He says, yes. not basically, he does. He's, <laughs> I can't tell you what it's like to kill something beneath me, but I'll show you. <laughs> he gets up and starts eyeing him. And the camera's just going in on this dude who's got this look of, oh, no, on his face. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. I tell you, oh, about, what I love about this is just the atmosphere, the music and the, the atmosphere and mood of the thing is really, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's just thick with atmosphere and, and suspense and builds up that, like I said, the made for TV thing where the, you know, rise to a crescendo and you'll see somebody about to get attacked and they pull back in fear and it freeze frames on them and cuts to black, you know, so set. Right. It's great. <laughs> No, it's very cool. Uh, a lot of the pullback and yeah. Just that from the very beginning, when you see a Dan Curtis production come up on the screen, it's like, yeah. Oh man, I am falling more and more in love with all things Dan Curtis. I mean, I, I've been going through my dark shadows, you know, and trying to get more Dan Curtis in me. And I know he's an important figure in the genre, but I didn't really know much about him. And I, I want to know more about what he's about. I want to research more about him and, and watch more of his stuff because this was so cool. And 
the way it ends too is fantastic. And I know we're spoiling the heck out of this thing. I get it, but kind of hard to talk about it and not, you know, yeah. spoil it when it's a, a mystery of a murder mystery. Yeah. Basically. I mean, it's, it, and it's a tight little story. It's efficient. It's not got a lot of fat. And, and that's what I love. My favorite movies are small scale stories. All my favorite ones. I love little small stories because when it's more intimate like this, it affects the characters much more deeply. And I find it much more interesting than big global Avengers. The world's going to, I mean, that stuff's fun too, but my favorite are intimate little stories rather than giant global invasion, whatever. Well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I think maybe that's a Dan Curtis thing. You know, it is an intimate story about a couple of, guys who used to have a relationship of some sort, whether that's friendship or you read into it and go a little bit further. It's just about a couple of guys and, and what they do when confronted with a change in their, I don't know, the way they view other life and what it means to be alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's this deep philosophical thing, but yet it's still a very intimate story between Peter Graves and Clint Walker. And so much so that at the end of the film, when Clint Walker turns his back on Peter Graves' character, you still don't know what is Peter Graves going to do? <laughs> you yeah. know, is he is he going to take that extra step or is he going to prove that, no, he is forever put, turning his own back on the life that he had before with Byron? And it's just fascinating. It really is. Pretty neat little story. I, I like it. I think be interested to hear what some of your listeners think about it. You know, what other people think I've heard some folks say, you know, it's not uh, like that movie is not a, not a werewolf movie, but I, I find it pretty interesting and I, I enjoy it. And I think it's, while it's not the best Dan Curtis production of all time, it's pretty indicative of a standard seventies. This was what TV was like in 1974 ABC movie of the week. You could turn down any week and find something like this on TV, which is, Pretty darn cool. Again, 70s genre television. I'm loving everything that I've explored and seen. I mean, there was a, uh, I mean, obviously, Night Gallery. Fantastic stuff, right? Right. Um, you know, Night Gallery's great. There, even um, a TV movie called Baffled, starring Leonard Nimoy, came out in the 70s. And I mean, it was supposed to be a pilot for a series, and it never got picked up. It just went on as a TV movie, and it's fantastic. I'm watching the series The Sixth Sense from the 70s, and I love that. And there's just something about 70s genre TV that is just so cool. Oh, there was so much good stuff going on. Think about the Cole Shack Night Stalker, same year that this was on. Right. Speaking of Dan Sember and Dan Curtis, I mean, Kolchak, right? No, no Kolchak, and man, there'd be no X-Files and who knows what else. Right. You know, very influential, and I wonder if Dan Curtis just doesn't get the due he deserves. You hear a lot of dark shadow talk still. Yeah, that's true. And I'm loving my dark shadows. I mean, I, I really love dark shadows. Have you watched all of those? Uh, almost. I'm, I'm slowly nearing the end, but I've been going through and watching the entire run from the very, very beginning. Wow. Pre Barnabas even. So <laughs> that is a commitment. Hey, and I'm loving it. I, yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, I, I, found myself loving a lot of the stuff before Barnabas showed up. So, you know, I'm looking forward to see what happens next. I like that stuff because it was live TV. And, you know, when they have a blooper or mess up, they just keep right on going, you know. Do you remember when you first discovered Dark Shadows? No, it it was later on. I didn't see it. It was probably in college. It's like a theatrical production, you know, because it is recorded live. And if there is 
a flub of a line here or the camera's not in the right spot there. They just keep going. Yeah, I'm so impressed with that. I mean, to, it adds to, to the charm. It it really does. And think about the pressure to know all your lines and to do this live. And it's like, man, we got to do it. Let's go. Now, with a TV movie like this, obviously, they have a lot more time to develop what they're doing, rehearsal and plan and block everything and that sort of thing. I think the performances in this are solid. I want to watch some more Clint Walker just to kind yes. of compare. I, I don't yes. have a lot of experience with the guy, but if you're if you're speaking for him, if you're vouching for him, I know I'm going to like it. Oh, yeah. You will love the Western that I, that I gave you, More Dead Than Alive. You're going to love that movie, the Vincent Price Western. Yeah, you uh, – and, and – you made me say something earlier, but I was going to wait until the show. I was going to thank you on the show, on the air, <laughs> for, for, for sending that to me for my birthday because I am, am eager to bust into that. I had wasn't expecting it at all. Uh, didn't even know you sent anything to the house. <laughs> well, you're a Western fan and you're a Vincent Price fan, and now you're going to be a Clint Walker fan after watching this. I guarantee it. I, I'm so looking forward to it. I mean, he, just – just the man's voice. And was it you that I was talking? It had to have been you. I don't know who else I would have talked to about Clint Walker that said that he would have been an amazing Superman. Yes, it was me. Wait till you see him. And, and he's, he's a little bit older in scream of the wolf, but when you see him and, and more dead than alive, he's just huge. I mean, he's just had to have been a weightlifter. And I, you know, I don't know as much about him personally as I, I probably should. He passed away this year, by the way. Right. Yeah. Just earlier this year. Of course, his biggest claim to fame was a Western TV series that he did. But he's great in More Dead Than Alive. He really is. Like, I mean, he looks stocky. He's got the build. Yeah, he would have been great. Really good as Superman. Maybe in the 60s or late 50s. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in Scream of the Wolf in 70, what, what is that, 74 we said? I, just looking at the man, I believe that, yes, he tried to take on a wolf with nothing but a knife. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> he's got the build and he's got the swagger, and that that's important—the swagger, you know. Yeah, yeah. I saw him in the Dirty Dozen the other day. It was on TV. Yeah, be here. He's on in Night of the Grizzly. He did a few genre pieces, mm-hmm. and uh, and like I said, the uh, Snow Killdozer. Beach. Killdozer, Killdozer, yes, sir. <laughs> oh man, yeah, know, cool he did, stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's great. If nothing else, watch the movie for him, and. It, Try to get your head wrapped around what exactly he is doing when it comes to how he's committing the murders and, and making it look like it might be an animal and question his weird bullet ecology decisions. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I'm saying, I know that I'm kind of giggling and I'm kind of gushing and maybe this episode's not nearly uh, focused as most episodes, but I just really had a blast with this movie. This was I'm so glad. much fun. This was great. And uh, listeners, if you know of any really good transfers of this or releases of this, I'm eager to watch it. I want to see more and I want to see it in better definition. Yeah, this kind of stuff, we'll probably never see a really good Blu-ray cleanup, but I shouldn't say never because you you do never know, you know, right. anything could happen. Well, and it's, it's television. Did they save the tapes? Right. It was it shot on tape know. or was it shot on film? You know, who knows? With Dark Shadows, we're incredibly lucky that they still had the tapes. So many productions of that era just have not survived. I know a lot of the TV movies that I've been trying to track down lately just aren't out there. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. But this one we can get. Uh, it's, it's all over the Internet because it is in the public domain. 
Would you host it if you went back to hosting? Is this one you would do? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love yeah. to host this. It, it, it fits. It's got a nice you know, runtime to it. You could probably make a two-hour show out of it. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And there's so much, you, so much material you can ride around since it's a werewolf. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But is it a werewolf? Dum, dum, dum. Fade to black. Go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else we want to say before we wrap this up? I don't think so, man. Uh, Merry Christmas, dude. It's coming right up. Yes, this episode is actually the last episode going out before the holidays. It'll be coming out on the 20th of All Goes Well. So what does Dr. Gain Green do to celebrate the holidays? I'm a pretty traditional guy. Just here at the house with, with family, and um, we'll be watching a lot of good Christmas horror stuff. We'll watch Black Christmas and, you know, Christmas Evil and silent night deadly night and you know all that all the the usual I, every year i have to watch the tales from the crypt both the movie and the tv episode of and all through the house the killer santa episode especially love the movie with joan collins that episode is so good well we talked about that here on the show in the past we did we yeah did. for that reason and that's that movie's got the santa claus stuff and it's got peter cushing in another sh- and just Good stuff. Oh, that Cushing segment. Oh, my gosh. It's the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. But, yeah, I'll, that whole movie, that whole movie's great. And so, yeah, we'll be watching that, breaking that out and watching it here pretty soon, too. Right on. Any, anything we can tell the listeners that you're going to be up to in 2019? I have the 20th anniversary of my horror host career is next year. Wow. So, yeah, we're working on some things for that. There'll be some stuff coming up for sure. When was your first show? Do you, you know the date? I do. It was July 1st, 1999. Do you still have that episode anywhere? Can people see it? Yeah, it's up on YouTube. It's oh. terrible, but it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chiller Cinema number one. That And it's up there. And that, back then you had like uh, the, the, the scar makeup on your face, didn't you? I did. I did, yeah. <laughs> July 1st, 2019. Let's start counting down to the 20th anniversary of Dr. Gang Green being a horror host. Okay. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Well, Thank you, my friend. And I said it again. I'm going to say it again. Uh, I said it at the top of the show. I really appreciate all the support you've given Monster Kid Radio and me personally. You, sir, I, I love you, man. Thank you. Aw, uh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> You're my main guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> love you too, buddy. If you haven't been to drgangreen.com, you're missing out. And that's D-R and then gangreen.com, not doctor spelled out. Or just look him up on YouTube. You know, he's posting everything there. And I went and I checked Chiller Cinema number one. It is there. And wow, knowing who Larry is now and seeing what he did at the very beginning of his horror hosting career, you see a lot of the same things and you see how things have changed and it's just pretty darn cool. Very grateful and thankful that Dr. Gangreen, that Larry has shared his entire horror hosting journey with us from that very first episode on YouTube. So thanks Larry for doing that. And thanks for being part of the show this week and for bringing this very cool non-gothic Dan Curtis production to the third week of Dan December. Thanks again, man. Six hundred and forty acres of rich, wonderful land. Big Jim Cole, a man whose roots go deep into the earth. A man building a dream with two bare hands. A dream threatened by an ominous shadow. Your granddaddy won that land from him in a poker game. 
And Curry wants it back so bad he's fit to be tied. A dream that exploded into nightmare on a night filled with a thousand terrors. The Night of the Grizzly. Shoot, he don't want to fight. He's used to hiding behind a tin badge. afraid for you. I'd have been sick to my stomach fearing for the children. Angie, we're gonna lose everything we own. We're gonna lose this place if I don't get that reward money. God isn't only that bear. Cass is out there right now just waiting for the chance to kill you. May I? Big Jim Cole. A man beset by enemies. One, a 1,500-pound killer, eight feet tall. The other, a two-legged killer, sworn to vengeance. You took two years out of my life. Now I'm going to make you pay. Meeting headlong with raging fury on The Night of the Grizzly. Congratulations, Monster Kid Radio, on your 400th episode. Absolutely amazing. I love listening to Monster Kid Radio, and even more than that, I love being on Monster Kid Radio because we laugh like silly little kids the entire time. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. This is David Schechter of Monstrous Movie Music. Keep up the great work. Hey, everyone. This is Steve Lee. Uh, talk to Derek. Well, it seems like only a few of them ago, and I guess it really has. Congratulations on number 400. I'm still trying to catch up with all the podcasts. But when I do, it's a happy time for this ancient one that I am. It was a true blast to get to take part in Monster Kid Radio, Derek. And I, I look forward to all the ones, and maybe we can do it again sometime. I always learn a little, or sometimes I learn a lot. Uh, you've turned me on to some movies or things that I've heard of or, you know, heard heard in whispers, and um, found them and enjoyed them. So thank you for that. I love the music that you play, and I look forward to more Monster Kid Radio. And like I said, if I could take any part of that, I'll do what I can. And maybe, just maybe, a Peter Laurie. Okay, I, I suck at Peter Laurie. I'm sorry about that. But I felt like I had to try. So congratulations once again. Hello, Derek. This is Tim Durbin calling in to congratulate you on reaching 400 episodes of Monster Kid Radio. That's a wonderful milestone and indicative of the quality of the podcast and the community you formed along with it. I've made some great friends in that community, yourself included, and it's wonderful how positive and supportive everyone is of each other. Thanks for giving all of us something to enjoy and embracing our voices. And congratulations once again. Hi, Derek. This is Brian Clark calling in to wish you a happy anniversary. 
400 episodes is an incredible achievement and a testament to your passion for the genre and how much the listeners appreciate what you do. I discovered the show through my buddy Tim Price, and it's become a highlight of my week. Listening to MKR always makes the workday brighter. What a wonderful community of fans and monster kids you've brought together since your first recording. My favorite memory of the show this far is having the honor to have recorded an episode with you, and I hope your listeners enjoy listening to it half as much as I enjoyed the conversation. Here's to 400 great episodes and to 400 more. Hi, Derek. This is Jerry Green from the podcast The Professor Frenzy Show and Bat Books for Beginners, and I wanted to send over my congratulations on reaching 400 episodes. As a podcaster, I know how much work and dedication that takes week after week to continuously crank out such high-quality content that you do. Congratulations, and thanks so much. You ask folks to let you know what MKR means to your audience. For me, as a kid, I was always in love with the classic Universal Monsters, but I didn't have friends that were into them too. I had music friends and comic friends and sports friends and whatever, but never monster kids. Because of this, I never had a group where we could share which classic monster movies that they saw that were good and I saw that were good, kicking them back and forth, find movies that might have had issues for some people, but had a kind of certain something that monster kids would always appreciate. So while I always craved good new classics, I never really found them. My occasional forays into the old days of video stores and more recently into the Netflix or Amazon Prime catalogs were just too often disappointing, and I kind of gave up. The Dark Shadows DVDs were the only thing I had that reliably scratched that itch. But because of MKR, I've seen so many great movies and learned to appreciate some that I never would have picked out myself. Listening to your show is like talking with those monster kid friends I never had. Some favorites I saw that were MKR inspired was... Dracula's Daughter, The Black Room, which is amazing, The Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake, House, The Torture Chamber of Dr. Sadism, which I never would have picked out of a lineup, Return of the Vampire, which was just now one of my favorite movies of all time, and let's not forget, May is Coming, all the luchador horror. I really have learned to appreciate those movies. And another thing, I had seen some Hammer Horror over the years, seen plenty of it, and I liked a lot of what I had seen. But the Dracula, Frankenstein, and Mummy stuff, while I liked to watch it and would watch it when it came on, it really never did it for me. I found that I was kind of watching the wrong ones. And from listening to you and your guests talk about Hammer so much, I gave some, um, some of the movies a try. And I looked at the right ones. Um, and I happened to be watching Dracula AD 1972, and all of a sudden, Peter Cushing clicked for me. I don't know what it was, but I got it. I saw that his Van Helsing character and his Baron Frankenstein character, they're played by the same actor, but they were two totally different men. That takes quite an acting talent to pull that off. I look forward to listening to Monster Kid Radio for a long time to come, and we'll also keep an eye out for whatever projects like the Halloween movie day you did, or the Plan 9 uh, project you have going on, or whatever you have up your sleeve in the future. So this is Jerry Green. I wish you the best of luck in all things, and thank you, Derek, for all you do. Hello, I'm Jerry. And I'm Chris. We are the hosts of the podcast Bat Books for Beginners. We both love Batman comics. And we like other comics, too. Comics that don't get the attention that the Cape Crusader gets. We want to bring attention to our favorite indie and small publisher comics. Some of it will be weird. Some of it will be wild. But great storytelling can come from anywhere. So we started a brand new podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show. 
on the Professor Frenzy Show, we will share some of our favorite indie comic books with you. Search for us on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are found. We hope you will search, subscribe, download, listen, and join in on the fun. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. Hi, this is Troy Howarth. I just wanted to call in and say congrats to Derek for another excellent year of Monster Kid Radio. I can't really point to a particular episode that uh, pointed me to something that uh, I hadn't seen, but I can say that listening to Derek and his guests talking about films and uh, sharing that level of obvious love and affection for the movies that they're talking about is extremely addictive, and uh, it's always a joy, and here's to the next 400. All right, bye-bye. Hi, Derek, Brenda, and kitties. This is Alistair Hughes author of Infogothic, an unauthorized graphic guide to Hammer Horror, congratulating you on episode 400 from the future. Like many of us, Monster Kid Radio has become a part of my life and a must-listen for reasons far beyond the love we all share for classic, and not-so-classic, horror and fantasy films. What I appreciate most about MKR is the all-encompassing positivity. It's so refreshing to hear films discussed in ways that accentuate their better aspects, never taking the easy route of cheap snark or parroting well-worn put-downs heard elsewhere. But beyond the movie talk, the enthusiasm and support expressed on MKR for and by fellow fans and creators is a much-needed weekly bolt of revitalizing lightning straight from a stormy universal matte-painted sky. It's rare that I finish an MKR episode not feeling creatively inspired by someone you've interviewed or an event you've covered. It's impossible to single out a favourite moment from this year, but if you held a stake to my heart, I'd go for your brief conversation with Victoria Price. Her warmth, sincerity and genuine fondness for you actually brought a little tear to my eye. So thank you for all that you and Brenda do. And how appropriate that this special anniversary falls so close to December the 25th. Because downloading the latest MKR episode always feels like unwrapping a special gift. So congratulations once again. And here's to the next 400. Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights? into some of your favorite movies. If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom, so tune into B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. Hi, Derek. This is Nick Brown from the B-MovieCast, 
And I wanted to take a moment to congratulate you on 400 episodes. That is quite a milestone. And you are burning the midnight oil, keeping the show going and keeping it good. Thank you so much for all your work on it. And thank you for supporting the B-Movie cast over the years. Uh, Mary, Warren, and I really appreciate it. We're looking forward to seeing you at the Monster Bash, I hope, this year. Uh, or next year, I guess, 2019. Also, uh, sorry I didn't send in an MP3. I'm traveling and couldn't really get around to recording one, so I thought I'd just call it in. But listen, congratulations on 400 episodes. And, you know, I, I think everybody in the Monster Kid family is really proud of what you've been doing. So keep up the great work and have a great day. Oh, boy, this is your good pal, Mickey Mouse, calling to wish you a very happy 400 and 400. No, you're not 400 years old. 400 episodes. That's awesome. Oh, boy. My favorite shows are the ones where you have my good friend Scott from Disney, Indiana on the show. I think you should have him on more often. Congratulations, Derek. This is your good pal, Mickey Mouse, signing off from Disney. C-3PO. Loki. Mace Windu. Dr. Bruce Banner. Captain Rex. Venom. Princess Leia. Jean Grey. Darth Maul. Nick Fury. Grand Moff Tarkin. Captain America. Lando Calrissian. Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, Imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana podcast on iTunes because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully, Fozzie Bear, Buzz Lightyear, Link Hogthrob, Doug, Janice, Merida, Pepe, Bruce, Ralph the Dog, Wally, Dr. The Disney Bunsen Indiana Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. First and foremost, I want to thank everybody who called in with comments about us hitting 400 episodes. Like I kind of told Larry, you know, I mean, yeah, 400, like maybe it's a nice round number, but it's not something that I ever really considered to be like a, a, I don't know, a milestone until some of you guys and gals started making it feel like a milestone. And I want to thank you again for helping me get to this point. I know I kind of cheated a little bit at the very beginning of Monster Kid Radio's broadcast or podcast history in that I was releasing two episodes a week. So... 400 episodes doesn't mean 400 weeks, but still, I, I know it's a lot, and I think I've produced Monster Kid Radio longer than anything that I've ever produced before. You know, I did the zombie podcast for a long time, but MKR really is it for me. I mean, I, I love doing it. 
And I love having met so many of you in person or virtually through the course of doing the show. You know, this is the time of year when you start thinking about what you accomplished in 2018 and what you start looking forward to in 2019. So first of all, uh, in terms of looking forward, almost every single one of you said, here's to 400 more. Well, I don't plan on Monster Kid Radio going anywhere. So <laughs> um yeah, I'll take all of that to heart for sure. That That's not something we have to worry about. Barring some sort of life event, uh, I don't see Monster Kid Radio going away at all. I, I love doing the show so much, so don't have to worry about that. So like I said last week, one thing that you know Anthony Wendell suggested I do when we were talking about the 400th episode and you know, what I can do to kind of celebrate the show is maybe look back at some of the highlights and maybe some of the, the regrets or, or unfulfilled opportunities that I've had here on the show. And I thought I'd share some of that with you now. Uh, Let's start with some of the highlights because I want to start on a good note. Over 400 episodes, I've had an opportunity to meet legends and scions of legends. I used to put that in some press releases that I put out. What I mean by that is I've met with people like Beverly Washburn. I've chatted with people like Donnie Dunnigan for the show, people who were involved in classic cinema or television, genre cinema or television specifically. I have had a chance to speak with some of the children of the legends, like Sarah Karloff, like Victoria Price. And, you know, I I just (laughs) couldn't imagine living in a world in which I was able to do that prior to doing Monster Kid Radio. Sure, there are some other people on my bucket list I'd love to talk to, but really, I mean, having an opportunity to not just meet people like this, but to consider them friends, that's a lot. And I'm not trying to name drop or anything like that. I just am very grateful for the opportunities for this to have happened for me and and for the show. Beyond that, though, really, Monster Kid Radio is about the Monster Kids, and that's you guys and gals. And to have been embraced by everybody within this community the way that I have been just means so much. So much. Obviously, I'm thankful for the awards that we've won over the years. The the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Award, it still sits at a place of pride on my bookshelf, looking down at me every day. Sometimes I've got the Mimoscris mask on it, sometimes I don't. I don't think that's too disrespectful because, I mean, it's Mimoscris, but still, I have the Rondo Hatton Award sitting there. And even for the years that I did not win the Rondo Hatton, just to be nominated or included in the honorable mentions list, I mean, that's pretty darn cool. That's pretty awesome. And I know that I've always said, sure would be nice if that Rondo Hatton had a tag team partner, maybe get another award. But you know what? He already has a tag team partner, and that's in the form of the Life Achievement Award that I got at Monster Bash this past summer. That was mind-blowing. And it's been over six months, I think. Yeah. And it still doesn't feel very real. So he's on another bookshelf right now, sitting behind me, actually, from where I'm recording, kind of watching my back. You know what I'm saying? So I've got the Rondo in the living room, and I've got the Forey behind me. So I'm kind of in a horror movie icon sandwich. That That's weird. But you kind of expect that from me at this point. I mean, just as much as you expect me to gush and gush and gush about Julie Adams and calling her my 50s girlfriend. To have had an opportunity to meet her and her son, Mitch. Man, that was just awesome, too. Anyway, back to being part of this community. 
I'm just a small part of it, I know, but to have been welcomed into the online classic monster movie fandom, it is just so, I mean, not to put too cheesy a word to it, it's heartwarming. And I want to thank you guys and gals for that. Some of the highlights of the show itself, you know, it's really hard to say. I mean, so many of you have already mentioned it with the call-ins, you know, the different things that you've enjoyed on the show, different episodes, different specifics the Karloff production that I got an opportunity to see, meeting so many writers, both virtually and then later on in person, meeting filmmakers or strengthening my relationship with filmmakers. It just is amazing to me that there are still so many of us out here who love these movies. Whether you're a universal person, whether you're a Hammer person, whether you love it all, or you only love the Toho movies, or you're just down with the Luchador films and you're just now discovering these other movies, man, there's just so much to love. And that's one thing that I've strived to do here on the show, is to talk about the love we have for these movies. I think I've said this before in the past, that there have been a couple of times early on in the run of Monster Kid Radio where maybe I didn't talk too complimentary about the films. The one that I remember in particular was a movie called The Circle. It was an Arch Obler film. And I went to the movie kind of naive. I didn't know anything about it. I had an opportunity to watch it at home. It was originally in 3D and Tom Bigler, who's been on the show before, I hope to get him on the show again, invited me to his place. We watched it in 3D on his 3D TV. And I just don't remember being very positive about the whole thing. And not that I want to take that back because I mean, that's part of the journey. I still feel kind of bad about that because really what Monster Kid Radio is about is the love of this stuff. Even a movie that maybe seem pretty darn silly like the two Christmas films that Scott Morris and I did over the first two Christmases of Monster Kid Radio Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and then just Santa Claus the, the Mexican movie there or to bring up something that was brought up earlier the Santo versus the Blob these movies are ridiculous but man they give me so much joy and happiness when I watch them and I really want that to be what Monster Kid Radio is do I have some regrets, some things that I haven't gotten to yet? Yes, I, I do. And not to go on and on about too many of those things, I still want to do an Ultraman thing. I don't know if it would be an episode, uh, a one-off spin-off kind of thing or what, but I love Ultraman so much. And to do some sort of Ultraman roundtable or maybe a series of Ultraman things, I don't know, but... I would love to do some things with Ultraman. I'd love to do some more giant monster stuff, more kaiju films, that sort of thing. I think I've mentioned this before as well, where for a while I tried to steer away from a lot of that because I felt like Kyle over at the Kaiju cast and a few of the other kaiju film podcasts had that covered. But, you know, I love talking about them too, so I'd love to talk about them here on the show. So maybe do a little bit more of that. I do regret something that I keep saying I'm going to do and haven't done yet. And that is a magazine. Some of you may know that I've talked about doing this from the very beginning, if not before, that I wanted to do some sort of print Monster Kid Radio magazine. In fact, when I was first starting the show, I had a notebook where I was jotting down ideas and doodling what a cover might look like and coming up with logos and you know what kind of stories or articles you'd find in it, that sort of thing. I went online and tried to find out the best places to maybe have something printed up so you can have an actual honest-to-goodness print magazine and just never got around to making it happen. You know, I have this tendency to take on a ton of different projects and then just they never go anywhere. But the magazine idea just never really went away. I just kind of 
put it to the side because I knew it wasn't happening. Over the years, I've tried to bring it back a couple of times. In fact, I think I even mentioned to some of you at Monster Bash when I met you in person or we're sitting around the tables that the magazine's happening. I'm going to do a magazine. And I got further along this year than I ever had before. And it wasn't going to just be me. It was going to be some of my fellow monster creators, monster kid creators, monster conservators. I feel really bad because I felt like I'm the reason why it fell apart yet again. And I have regrets about that. I don't know what else to say there. Uh, There might be a Monster Kid magazine at some point down the line, Monster Kid Radio or something with the Monster Conservancy. I, I don't know. But I I have some regrets about that. I also have regrets that the Monster Kid Radio Network that we were trying to do never really worked out. I can never really figure out how to make the feeds work for podcasting. I didn't know how to combine the feeds from Monster Kid Radio and other podcasts into one master feed so that people would have the option to just subscribe to the one feed instead of going to three or four different feeds to get everything that were part of the quote-unquote network. So I have regrets about that. And, and speaking of bringing other shows into the, the network, um, it's my fault that 1951 Down Place hasn't put out a new episode in a very long time. I've been sitting on the post-production of the most recent episode that was recorded months ago, so long ago, in fact, that some of the jokes that Scott and I kind of kick back and forth don't even make sense anymore because they're not even relevant anymore. I mean, it, it's pretty bad, and, and it's my bad on that. I loved doing the Hammer Films podcast. It just kind of fell apart and pod faded. It's something that I'd love to get back to. I I really would like to do that. Is that something you guys and gals would want to see? Maybe come back as a quarterly show? Because that's what it was supposed to be by the time it started fading away. I don't see it being a weekly thing, and I don't see it being a monthly thing just because of timing. I might be unemployed right now, but you know, Scott Morris, co-host on the show, is and he's got his own master podcast disney indiana to do as well so you know asking us to take on that much more i don't see being realistic but i don't know kind of want to do it i would like to do it it's just finding the time to do it and, and the motivation and everything else that goes along with that i would love to do even more podcasting though that said you know i love 1951 down place i love podcasting i love what i do here i love creating and playing with audio i love doing all of this and to create more audio content more podcasting content that would be so much fun and so fulfilling and i've got the time i mean i'm unemployed but doesn't mean I shouldn't be looking for work and that would cut into the podcast production time. Anyway, those are the big regrets that I have. The Ultraman thing not happening yet, dropping the ball repeatedly on getting a magazine put together and letting 1951 kind of pod fizzle away. These are all things that I can change in 2019 and we'll see, you know, we'll see. Again, though, 2018 was an incredible year for Monster Kid Radio. Monster Bash was amazing, further strengthening my relationships with people within the Monster Kid community, the Monster Kid Radio listenership. That's been amazing as well. Getting the Plan 9 by 9 podcast moving was phenomenal and mind-blowing and was something that neither Scott nor I ever anticipated happening. Brenda didn't expect it to happen the way that it did, and that so many of you are supporting us on that podcast that will be launching very soon. In fact, within the next week or two, Scott and I will be sitting down to record for the show. It's going to be amazing. 
I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> so we've got that coming up too. There's just a lot going on. And when it comes to MKR, I want to do more on YouTube. I think I keep saying that as well, but that's something else I kind of let slide to the back burner. Need to get back on that next year and really kind of make our YouTube presence felt as well. Again, thank you for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. And I'm just going to start repeating myself because I'm just doing this off the top of my head. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up and get on to the next part of the show. And before we get into some feedback here, um, it's not the circle that I was referring to. I don't know why that name was stuck in my head. The Arch Obler film that I was referencing earlier is The Bubble. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to see a very unusual trailer about a very unusual picture coming to this theater. This trailer is unusual because we aren't going to show you any scenes out of the picture, but we are going to tell you the truth. Arch Obler's new motion picture, The Bubble, is made in a revolutionary new process called Space Vision. And when you come here to see it, we promise you a brand new sensation. I'll repeat that. We promise you a brand new sensation. Why? Because for the first time in any theater, scenes in colorful living dimensions will actually float right off the screen into space and over your heads. That's what I said, over your heads. In addition, we believe The Bubble is a very entertaining story about most unusual people in a situation you'll talk about for a long time to come. So here's your flat invitation to see Arch Obler's The Bubble when it premieres in this theater. It's revolutionary. It's exciting. It's newer than television. It's space vision. In all your life, you've never seen anything like it. That's a guarantee. You'll meet Deborah Wally, an exciting new young actor named Michael Cole, and Johnny Desmond in a great suspense picture. First the screen was silent. Then it talked. Then color. Now the greatest advance of them all. The picture floats off the screen. See motion picture history made in this theater in Arch Obler's exciting story, The Bubble. The picture floats off the screen. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> what is that? My Derek imitation. <laughs> That's not how I sound at all. You're very... Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, Welcome to episode 400. I don't open the show with hello, hello, hello. Oh. Do I? Sometimes I think you do, but... No, I'm going to be very self-conscious. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, kinda... listeners, if the opening of this show sounds weird, it's because I haven't recorded that part of the show yet, <laughs> and now I'm going to be awkward. super... Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Brenda. You're welcome. It's a special challenge for your 400th episode. So for my 400th episode, you're trying to break me. Well, break the intro. Just a little. <laughs> I am so tempted to really open up the show with hello, hello, hello now when I don't record the intro. I think I'm... So listeners, that's where that came from. <laughs> so, how, okay, how many episodes of MOC did you do? Um, I don't remember. It was in the 300s somewhere, right? Yeah. So we had over 300 episodes of Ma Mail Order Zombie. 
And you got 400 of this. 400 of MKR, a handful of down place. Right. And we've got the Plan 9 coming. Yeah, but that hasn't happened yet, so it doesn't count. Oh, well, we've done episode zero. Still doesn't count because it's episode zero. (laughs) (laughs) And you add zero to the math we're doing. It adds nothing. But in podcasting years, <laughs> doesn't that count for more? So you've had... I've done at least probably, 700 episodes I'm of podcasting. I'm guessing more like 800. I would love to someday go through and just add up all the time. All the hours? No, because I will feel very uncomfortable about our life. <laughs> <laughs> When I hear the sheer number of hours, and I know that it's at least double that for the editing, um, because it takes one and a half times the show minimum to do the editing, usually two times. (laughs) I will be very sad (laughs) about all the things we plan and dream on and never do. So what is it they say, though, like to become a genius or to become... Uh, perfect at something uh, you have to do it like one million times or something like that one million or, or is it I, I don't know what the number is I, I could just be making this up because you know but i don't know i thought it was like you know you do something for so many hours mm-hmm. then you can say you're an expert at it mm. so if i hit a million hours of podcasting i will be just I mean, what you do is of value, particularly for your own mental health (laughs) and to get your creativity out there and to connect with other people about what you love. But I'm going to think about how we, you know, didn't get the car taken in yet to get the wiper replaced. (laughs) (laughs) 7,000 hours and we can't get our wiper replaced. My husband produced 400 episodes of Monster Kid Radio and all I got was a slousy (laughs) t-shirt. That's what I'm getting you for Christmas, babe. Speaking of Christmas, this is the episode that's going out before Christmas, kind of, sort of. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, Krampus stuff. Krampus stuff. Okay, okay. Um, Lovecraft in a Santa hat. Lovecraft in a Santa hat. Cthulhu in a Santa hat. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And the Santo Claus. Don't forget Santo Claus. Santo Claus. Um, but mm. we've talked about maybe recording something this upcoming weekend oh, with a couple right. of people. Yes. And that's where I was going with this. There's no feedback this week. Not because I don't have any, but just the way our life has been lately, despite the fact that I'm not working, <laughs> you'd think that would free a whole bunch of things up, but it really hasn't. Things have just, you know, been kind of busy. Yes. And we, yeah. We had to buy a new bed. Mm-hmm. Never as affordable as I think it's going to be. And it's not even affordable in my head, but we get there and it's so much more than I expect. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a new bed that's going to be delivered actually tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> so the day they're listening. Yeah. Potentially. And uh, we had to do a lot of moving things around. Right, because we're getting so a bigger have, bed than what we already had. And that gives them the room to come in because right. they are kindly taking away our old one. Mm-hmm. If we make them cookies, they'll maybe take the frame. Did you make the cookies? No, I'm saying you have like two hours tomorrow to I'm make I'm not cookies. making cookies. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'll, I'll throw the bed frame away. You You should offer them coffee. Okay. We should have gotten paper cups. I'll be all like, hey, man, I got an espresso machine. 
I'll hook you up. You get rid of this bed frame. (laughs) Two Nespresso pods, because they aren't cheap. (laughs) Don't go more than two. (laughs) So, yeah, we're making room in the bedroom for the new bed to go in. And we're getting a bigger bed because we're bigger people. And Brenda's uh, rheumatoid arthritis requires certain I need to not jiggle every time you wiggle. Right. (laughs) Because it hurts. And so I am moving as far away from him as possible in the bed. <laughs> okay. And, and Sam and Smoke like to sleep between us. So yes. there has to be room for them. But we didn't buy a bigger bed just for Sam and Smoke. That was part of the, one of the deciding factors for me. The deciding factor for me was maybe it'll be less wiggly over here. I thought it was jiggly. Oh, yeah. I'm jiggly. the wiggly one and you get the jiggly. Yes. I'm like cello. I'm going to jiggle you with my wiggle. That is inappropriate. (laughs) So we've been making room for that. We've got guests coming in from out of town that we're getting ready for as well. exciting. And uh, you may hear them on the special feedback episode we're going to do. Maybe. Yeah, I've I've put the feelers out to them. Well. And that's why I'm not saying their names right now. I know, but. Not committing. That's probably not why they're here, but. Sure would be awesome. (laughs) So we've got that going on, plus um, just a whole bunch of other just life stuff we're dealing with. So uh, no feedback today, but yeah, stay tuned. So I want you to know that my sound somehow got really quiet. That's probably your fault. Oh, well. Speak up. Hello, hello, hello. I'm going to go through and fix all the audio, so don't worry about that. Okay. I'm probably not going to edit this segment very much at all. I'll probably just level out the voices and call it good. Oh. So thanks for not screwing up that I have to edit anything out. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm going to screw up. I know. Did you? I said gosh instead of what I wanted to say. See, I appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate that. You're welcome. (laughs) So you wanted to come on the show. Even though there's no feedback, just talk about the 400. 400. Okay. And hello to everybody. And happy whatever your thing is. <laughs> so throughout the episode, I've been playing uh, greetings that we've gotten from previous guests and future guests of Monster Kid Ooh. Radio about the 400th episodes mm-hmm. and uh, what their favorite Monster Kid memories, Monster Kid Radio memories, that is, uh, what what those are. What are your favorite Monster Kid Radio memories? Do you have any? Blink, blink, blink. So one of the things that is uh, complicated by my RA is I don't have a great memory anymore often which means i get away with so much stuff around (laughs) here it's amazing derek is the retainer of memories which is a fascinating (laughs) it's actually something that i just read an article about how a couple creates a shared memory system and people remember things for each other So maybe you'll remember the financial stuff. Maybe I'll remember everything you did wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But how memory is different in couples. They they build like a shared memory system. We have like a, we have a drop box basically that we we? we share between the two of us. We're we're like a a couple (laughs) LAN party, LAN party. Yeah. Yes. Um, Well, but, you carry the majority of the memories, but... But when you think Monster Kid Radio, like, is there anything that, I mean, what, what are some of the good things that have come out of it for you? 
Last time you did that, you actually made the blinking sound effect. You just now she's just staring at me blinking. Now I'm just messing with you. Um, I think getting to see Alistair's uh, book come to fruition has been mm. so exciting. Info Gothic available now. <laughs> Look at you plugging. Hey, it's it's worth plugging, man. It's yeah. a solid book. You made the gift guide for a reason. Oh, I know what it is. It's that you got the the foley. The what? Oh, no. I'm not going to edit that out. I always say it wrong. Foley? Yes, the Foley and... So, okay, Foley is sound effects work, which is what I'm doing for House of the Gorgon, which, which makes perfect sense. Which is on top of my head. Yep, yes. Yep, yep, Yes. Yeah. So that's Foley. You got the Foley and also... His tag team partner, the Rondo. The <laughs> Rondo. Yes. Who is currently right now still wearing the Mel Mascaris mask. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, appropriate... I just appreciate that you have had some recognition in doing something that you're very passionate about. Hmm. I like that. It, it does mean a lot. Yeah. And I talked about that earlier in the episode, too, when I did a little 15-minute rant about rant. stuff. Did you ramble? I, I did ramble. I did it without a script. I just sat down while you were out of the house so you didn't have to hear me and I didn't have to feel awkward. Um <laughs> You know, I just kind of talked about successes, some things that I haven't done yet, some regrets, and what I'm looking Why forward regrets? to. Regrets? What's that? Oh, what? just things that I haven't done on the show yet. Things that I've either talked about doing a lot and just haven't really pulled the trigger on. Kind of coming oh. clean about how I oftentimes talk about launching multiple projects and maybe get one or two going. Yeah. Not really understanding things like I don't know sleep. Yeah, but um, other real life things. I talk to you about those and you still think that somehow magically you'll do it. Right. It's really hard to get you to like really believe that you are going to have a day when you feel really crummy, that you are going to have, you know, when you're doing this commit from, from the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that. just happened. I'm not editing that at all. Commitment from here this time to this time. You can't automatically start working on your thing right at that time because you have to, I don't know, drive home, hmm. use the bathroom. Like you don't put these logical things in there. And then not only does it not get done, you really beat up on yourself for it. I'm working on that. And I feel like for a while I was doing a lot better. I feel myself kind of slipping there again. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's all a journey. It's all a process and I'm working on it. Yeah, and, know. I, you know, 2018 kind of got away from me and. It was a crazy year. Yeah. With everything. I mean, even, even today was crazy. I got, a, I got stuck in a metal tube and had magnetic things shot at my head and, and slices were taken out of my brain. Contrast die and they took nothing out of your brain. Okay. They took slices though. She referred to them as taking slices. Sliced pictures. Right. But yes. I just, because of who I am, kind of got a kick out of the idea that they were putting me in a metal tube and taking slices out of my head. Now, if they only took out the part that made my ears ring really bad, which is what they were scanning for. But anyway, people mm -hmm. aren't... <laughs> Welcome to Derek's healthcare updates. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, anyway, I am sorry that's a regret for you. Um, nah. I think it's good to be aware of that. Yeah. And... You kick ass in other ways. Probably not going to edit that out either, or even put a monster sound over it. So thank you, honey. 
Oh, no. That's okay. It just happens. It's, it's who you are. Are you going to be able to say it's still clean? Uh, is that word really a are bad she, word? Are people really listening to this point in the show anyway? I mean, this show is probably a longer episode. So, Although if they knew that you were coming on, they'd probably suck around. I was going to say, no, it's just the feedback. They don't. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. In fact, at least one person in the call-ins about the 400th episode said they appreciate you doing the feedback so uh, i think rod made a comment about how he likes hearing his words coming out of your mouth <laughs> yeah yeah happy to do it <laughs> anyway uh okay. wouldn't hit 400 episodes without the support of everybody you babe oh <laughs> and me <laughs> yeah and you no and you <laughs> you know <sighs> Have I talked about this on a podcast at all? About how I finally knew that you were really on board with me becoming a podcaster? There was the one year for Christmas, you uh, got me the book. Was it Podcasting for Dummies? Or I got you a couple, yeah. Was it the it, Podcasting for... It's the Idiot's Guide or Podcasting for Dummies? It's the one that T. Morris uh, was the co-author on. Mm. And you gave that to me for Christmas, the year that I was kind of talking a lot about wanting to get involved and doing podcasting and that sort of thing. And when I got that, it's like, Oh, you really support me becoming a podcaster. Oh, <laughs> yes. And do you, you regret it? No, that's the right answer. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, good for you. It, it is. And, and uh, I appreciate you backing me, babe. I really do. You bet. Love you. I love you. And I love everybody. I have fond feelings for most of them. Yes. For most people. (gasps) Windows has an update. No. Okay, we got to wrap this up right now before things start rebooting. That was terrifying. Sign off. Sign off. I said another time. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Happy holidays to everybody. May Cthulhu hold off another year. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode this week. I want to thank you guys and gals for being along for the ride, whether this is the first episode you've listened to or you've listened to every single one. Thank you for being part of the Monster Kid Radio audience. If you hop over to monsterkidradio.net, you can find everything you need to know about the show between episodes. You can also find the voicemail number if you want to call in and leave us a message about this episode or anything we've talked about in the previous 399 or anything we might be talking about in the future. You can always call us at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. Or you can leave us an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or email us an audio file. A couple of people that called in about the episode 400 thing, that's how they did it. They sent us an audio file that they recorded on their iPhone or whatever. And I just put it in the mix. So that's all at the website. You're also going to find links to Dr. Gang Green's website. And you're going to see what we're talking about next week on Monster Kid Radio. It's the big one. The fourth and final week of Dan Sember. So we're going to go and talk about Dark Shadows. And I'm going to be doing that with a number of people. People that I've had on the show over the past month and a half or so. Or kind of went out of my way to get them on a recording to just talk about Dark Shadows and what it means to them. It's not the big Dark Shadows roundtable that I was kind of sort of threatening to do. Because really, logistically... That would be a nightmare. So I did the next best thing, and I sat down with people like Steve Turk, Joshua Kennedy, Dominic Lamsey's, and many others to talk about Dark Shadows, and then I'll talk about Dark Shadows as well. So that's coming up on episode 401 of Monster Kid Radio, the final episode of 2018, the final week of Dan December 2018. Come back for that. 
Again, going to reference you to the website to see all the links to Facebook, to Twitter, to our Patreon campaign, to everything we've got going on. Head over there and just keep up to date with everything going on on Monster Kid Radio. And you'll find a link to the song that we're playing here too, which again, really cool. Great surf band that I'll tell you about here in a second after I remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Sun Is Going Down. That belongs to the band Retro Kane. It comes from their EP release, Go West, came out earlier this month. Again, three tracks, three bucks. Check them out on Bandcamp and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week when we talk about Dark Shadows. Ciao.